Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. There are many things you might think of when talking about a house. Maybe you think of the house you live in, or an apartment, or some other living arrangement. We'll take a look at housing in the Bible, and housing in the CPI index. How it's derived and weighted might surprise you, but will help you better manage God's gifts, today on The Whole Steward. Well, this is episode 29. I'm very glad that you have joined. Thank you for listening, and let's jump right in. We're going to talk about housing today, and I want to go through a few scriptures before we get started, the first of which is Proverbs 3.35. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Now, just to lay a little bit of foundation, is the house that you live in, the four walls and the roof, or does it stand for more? In the Bible, it definitely stands for more. Your household, as we might call it today, is all the things under the purview of the man of the house. And your household includes you, your spouse, your children, and all the goods and services that you manage within your household. And so here, Proverbs 3.33 says that the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. So that might mean that he blesses your building that you live in, but it's much more than that. It is the house, the household that you are managing. Proverbs 24.3 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. So, not only the building, which needs a lot of wisdom to be constructed and built properly and up to code, to be safe and functional and clean and affordable, but also the house of a man. So the building he lives in with his family, but also everything that he is managing. Proverbs 14.1 says, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. We see here a nugget of wisdom that a woman plays a key role in building her house. The wisest of women build their house. That doesn't necessarily mean laying the bricks of the building. It's talking about building up your household. Now, what's interesting is that even though we dwell in houses on this earth, and it is a very biblical thing to do so, There is a house being built and prepared for those who know Christ. John 14.2 In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? You see, Jesus, when he went back to heaven, went to prepare a place for us. And it's in his Father's house house. So, 
the dwelling place that we have here on this earth is only temporary, whereas the dwelling place that Jesus went to prepare for us is permanent. Jesus also uses building a house as a metaphor for your spiritual walk. Matthew 7, 24-27 reads as follows. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You see, Jesus uses the building of a house on the proper foundation and in the proper manner, likening it to the one who hears his words and does them. And Jesus certainly had many things to say about all the areas of stewardship, which we talk about at different times. Remember, you have the nine forms of capital. You have spiritual capital, physical capital, intellectual capital, experiential capital, relational capital, cultural, material, financial, and time. And God gives many commands and principles for us to live by as stewards who are managing every single one of those forms of capital. And so the man or woman who hears these words of his and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That rock is unshakable. It's a sure foundation. Modern buildings, have you ever wondered how they can build them so tall up in the sky and they not fall over in an earthquake or something? Well, they actually drill down deep into the bedrock on which they're built, and they anchor the building deep into the bedrock. And it can be many tens of feet down into the bedrock, even probably up to 100 feet or more. And that's how those buildings are secured. They're built on the rock. And Jesus says, this is what it will be like for a man who builds his spiritual house on his words and doing them. Now, what about our physical house? What about the household? Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So here, Solomon acknowledges that the building of the house, whether you're building the physical house, your household, or the spiritual house, so to speak, which you build on the rock of God's word and obedience to his word, unless the Lord does that work, 
you're building in vain. Same with the watchmen over the city. This shows that God is sovereign in all these things. And we need to be careful to acknowledge Him, give Him the proper glory in our lives as stewards who manage the good gifts that He's given us for a short time. Next, we'll look at the shelter component of the CPI index. How it's derived and weighted might surprise you. I know it did me. We'll cover that next on The Whole Steward. Hey there, it's Andrew. I pour a lot into The Whole Steward, and I'm so humbled you're listening. Did you know I regularly post new articles to our website? I also send the Holistic Approach to Wealth newsletter once a week, to which you can subscribe at thewholesteward.com newsletter. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the show, would you share it with a friend or leave us a review? I'd really appreciate it. Oh, and thanks for listening. Let's jump into the CPI numbers for June. Since we're about in the middle of July, the CPI numbers are uh, published for June. And we'll take a brief look at that. And then we'll look at the shelter component of the CPI index. And stick with me, you might find this very fascinating. The consumer price index for all urban consumers rose 0.2% in June on a seasonally adjusted basis, after increasing 0.1% in May. Over the last 12 months, the all items index has increased about 3.0% before seasonal adjustment. The index for shelter was the largest contributor to the monthly all items increase, accounting for over 70% of the increase, with the index for motor vehicle insurance also contributing. So apparently our motor vehicle insurance is going up and the cost of shelter is going up. Uh, Let's look at this chart here. We have all the items. You have food, energy, and uh, all items less food and energy, which is like uh, commodities like new vehicles or used cars, apparel, medical care commodities, less the energy services also include shelter, transportation services, the medical care services. So You'll notice here that the shelter portion was 0.4%. There were some other items that were greater um, in their percentage increase, but they're not the biggest contributors because they each one of the items in the CPI index is weighted differently. So shelter only increasing 0.4%, while something like electricity, which went up 0.9%, the shelter is the biggest contributor because of its weight in the CPI index. So what is that weight? Um, Let's look at the weighting of these different items. I'll share these links that I'm looking at in the description. But the 
weight for food is about 13.4%. The weight for energy is about 6.8%. And then all items less food and energy is 79.7%. You might be surprised that shelter is 34.7%. Now, if you look at June of 2022 to 2023, it says that shelter is up 7.8%. And in the month of June, from May to June, it's up 0.4%. So because it gets a weight of almost 35%, that increase in the cost of shelter is significant. You'll notice shelter is broken down into two components. One is rent of primary residence, and the other is owner's equivalent rent of residences. Now, that is a very interesting thing because if you want to buy a home or you own the home that you live in, what we're about to see is that it is not the true cost of you owning that home that is being accounted for here. Now, the rent of primary residence, that's pretty straightforward. You could see, well, what was my rent last year compared to what was it this year? And that is the uh, increase. But what is this owner's equivalent rent of residences all about? This is where you might be surprised. So again, on the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the index for shelter, the service that a housing unit provides its occupants, is one of the largest parts of the CPI market basket. Owner's equivalent rent of residences, or OER, and rent of primary residence measure the majority of the change in the shelter cost consumers experience. So basically, there's these two components that they look at. One of them is derived, and the other one is, as we said, pretty straightforward. And this is the key part. This is what might surprise you. For an owner-occupied unit, most of the cost of shelter is the implicit rent that owner-occupants would have to pay if they were renting their homes without furnishings or utilities. Now, did you catch that? If you own your home, it doesn't really matter what you're actually paying for the home. They don't account for that. All they look at is what the owner might have to pay in rent if they were going to rent their home. Let's, let's go on. Owned housing units themselves are not priced in the CPI housing survey. Like most other nations' economic statistics programs, the CPI program views owned housing units as capital or investment goods, distinct from the shelter service they provide, and therefore not as consumption goods. Spending to purchase and improve houses and other housing units is treated as investment and not consumption in the CPI. Interest costs, such as mortgage interest, property taxes, real estate fees, most maintenance, 
and all improvement costs are part of the cost of capital good and are also not treated as consumption items. These non-consumption costs of owned housing are out of scope for the CPI under the cost of living framework that guides the index. Now, when I learned this, this blew my mind. Why? Because all of those costs that they just listed are very real costs. The interest costs, the property taxes, the real estate fees, most maintenance, all... If you don't know what those real costs are for a homeowner, go back and listen to episode 22, where I did a deep dive on the real costs of homeownership versus renting. I did a comparison, own versus rent. One of the keys that I brought out there was the cost of housing versus income. So we looked at median incomes, versus median home prices. And we saw how different markets are priced differently compared to incomes. Some markets, like the coastal California markets, are priced very high compared to incomes. There are other places in the country which are much more affordable for housing compared to the median incomes. Go back and listen to that episode if you're interested. But here... We're learning that the CPI index accounts for none of those costs. All they look at is supposedly what an owner of the home would have to pay if they were to rent the home. But wait, data sources, where do they get this data? How could they possibly determine, oh, how much would it cost for you to rent this home versus own this home. The relative importance of this is also important. Owner's equivalent rent of a primary residence gets 24% of the CPI index. Yeah, 24%. This, to me, is mind-boggling. Listen to this. In the Consumer Expenditure Survey, they ask the question of the owners who own their primary residence, quote, if someone were to rent your home today, how much do you think it would rent for monthly, unfurnished and without utilities, end quote. Hmm, this is how the government goes about determining the cost of housing. They call a bunch of people up and they ask them that question. How much do you think your house would rent for? Think about how reliable this data might be when they're asking this question of people who own their home. Now, first of all, there's a lot of assumptions that go into this. That assumes that the owner knows accurately what it would rent for. And number two, it assumes that the cost that homeowners are having to bear to live in that property is summed up by the rent that they would pay for that house. They are actually, as we've seen, if you don't know this, go back into episode 22, 
They are actually two very different things. Anyways, I understand that the government is fishing for a way to uh, easily index the price of shelter, but I have a really hard time trusting this data because of the way that they're going about collecting it. The sample design of the housing survey is fairly complex, but essentially housing units are selected in proportion to their share of total spending on shelter. Total spending on shelter includes the total spending on rented and owned housing units as collected in the CE survey. Um, if you're interested in going deeper, you can read about how they do the sample collection and how they wait and come up with the numbers. But as the millennials, uh, especially right now, look to starting households and buying their primary residences, they're staring down, in many cases, a massive increase in the cost of home ownership. The CPI index does nothing or very little to capture that. And in fact, the biggest weight of the index for shelter is given to the opinions of other homeowners who may or may not give an accurate number for that. And number two, who may or may not actually be paying that amount for their house. This, to me, is one of the ways that the government smooths over or diminishes the real world, the main street economy. What you and I deal with on a daily basis. Now, if you rent your primary residence, again, that is a little bit more straightforward because, indeed, that is the total cost of the service of shelter that you are getting for the rent that you are paying. But if you want to buy a home or you own the home that you live in, just bear in mind that the CPI index is not capturing that well. Uh, and that, of course, is my opinion. Do your own due diligence. I'll put these links in the description. Are incomes keeping up? for the true cost of home ownership? That is a very different question than are, in, are incomes keeping up with the CPI index? Two very different things. If you go to a website like Shadow Stats, for example, you will see a very different and actually higher CPI index or inflation index. Because they are looking at the inflation numbers through an historical lens. One that shows what the numbers would be if CPI were to be measured as they were in, say, the 1970s or 80s or 90s. Uh, you can see how they've changed the measurement and how the measurement today may or may not be that accurate. I hope you found this interesting and insightful. We really need to be careful as we talk about the affordability of either 
primary residences in general, but starter homes specifically because there is a huge supply gap for starter homes. Uh, many of the homes that were built in the 1980s, for, for example, the house that I grew up in in a suburban neighborhood was actually a newly built three-bedroom, two-bath house. It was a great little starter home for a family. It was the first house that my, my parents purchased, and I grew up the first about 11 years in that home. And then we moved to a bigger home because we had more kids and we did a lot of hosting and everything. But those starter homes, they're not being built. Yet the population, praise the Lord, is increasing still. Although not, we don't have the birth rate that is needed to sustain the society, but the U.S. does benefit from immigration. So we're better off than some countries, but we're not... Uh, the best, but we need housing for a growing population, even though the growth of that population is slowing. The millennials are the largest cohort, the largest uh, generation, even bigger than the baby boomers, and they are forming households. They are buying and looking to purchase their primary residence. If you have any thoughts or insights on this topic, if you want to send me any feedback or corrections, send me a letter, an email at letters at thewholesteward.com. I would love to hear from you. And also, just a note, as we try to expand the whole steward and reach more people who might be interested and benefit from what you learn on the show and you appreciate the show, I would kindly request you to visit our website and leave a review. It's thewholesteward.com slash review. You can see testimonials there of people who have listened to the show or read the newsletter or the blog, and I would be greatly appreciative if you would do so as well. Thewholesteward.com slash review it's a brand new uh, web page, and you can put in a review, rate the show there, and it will display on the website to, to help those who visit the website get third-party uh, validation that the show might be worth listening to for them as well. I would highly appreciate that if you'd be willing to do it. Also, leave a review on the platform that you listen to the show on. If you listen on iTunes or Spotify or Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, leave a review there. Uh, that helps promote the show and reach more people. And that means I can continue to bring you the whole steward week in, week out. Thank you for listening today. And now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. 
Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com. 